So remember that whole thing from last week about Trump aspiring to like demonhood at the right hand of the plague god? Yes, yes, I do. It looks like uh, his cultists have joined him. Oh. (laughs) At the happiest place on earth. Oh, really? (laughs) What'd they do? So, apparently, um, and no, we are not referring to Tijuana or Amsterdam. This is Disneyland. Um, Mm -hmm. There was an open Disneyland rally on October 17th as Disneyland fans and cast members gathered on, like, Harvard Boulevard right outside of Disneyland demanding that it be reopened immediately. <laughs> I, I I shouldn't laugh. I mean, it's it's terrible, but I mean, it's also, like, they reopened Disney World, but, you know, DeSantis is on record as saying, um, you know, the gates are open, um, and then some very disturbing noises from Tennessee, I mean, from Tallahassee, Dwarf. So it's like, uh, why are you doing this? And this this one is actually kind of, I mean, I joke about plague cultists here. I mean, some of them definitely qualify. Like, if you're, if you have, like, the free time to be like, let me into fucking Disneyland because I want to see the goddamn mouse god. Um... <laughs> and kiss his ring or something, then, you know, you might just be, like, exhibit A for explaining commodity fetishism. Yes. Um, (laughs) But what's kind of twisted is a significant chunk, like, according to this blog, a majority, I mean, take that with a grain of salt, this is, like, a Disney fan blog, um, sourcing additionally from, like, a Disney fan Instagram, so... You know, we're not saying this is the most scientific or objective reporting, but according to them, like, a majority of the people there were now laid off Disney cast members. Um, And it's worth mentioning, like, at the end of September, Disney announced that over 28,000 people were being laid off in the theme parks division. So... When you add in that there's been widespread reports before COVID of uh, Disneyland cast members being rendered homeless because their job doesn't pay enough. Yeah. Like, this shit's kind of fucked up. It's massively fucked up. <sighs> like, like, I appreciate where, like... The fans, okay, just go, like, binge some 90s Disney movies, please. What what are you doing? But, like, yeah. the workers, have you thought about, I don't know, locking yourselves to the front gates of Disney HQ? Maybe, like, holding a maskless, like, garden party on the front lawn of the CEO? You know, creative things like that. Yeah. 
I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna spread the plague, spread it to the people who fucked you up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, welcome to Chop Shop Economics. <laughs> <laughs> We read this shit so you don't have to. Ah. <sighs> it's like everyone waits on bated breath for whatever the hell's gonna happen in November. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Things are things are pretty slow right now. Um let's By like twenty twenty standards here. By twenty twenty standards. To be f- I mean this this would be pretty crazy shit even back in sixteen. The year that never ends. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it, if half the shit we were talking about today a like happened last year, any one of these would be like a banner headline. Yes. So um in vaccine news, um, the Eli Lilly uh, vaccine trial, um, specifically their antibody one, got postponed due to side effects. Um, and this isn't the first vaccine to be postponed for this reason. Oh, yes. <clears throat> And, I mean, this seems fairly typical, um, partly because they are rushing development. Um, like, you know, they're, they're having to test a whole bunch of candidates, and um, sometimes, you know, we don't figure out what the side effects are until we've actually done the trials. That's what these are for. Um, it's why we're. <laughs> it's why we don't and did have a vaccine in like April. Um, except like that Russian vaccine, which Saudi scientists swear is not a vial of crocodile and sugar water. Yes, yes, that's the kind of thing you want to avoid, and even. I mean, I, I'm not sure about the state of the joint vaccine. Um, I do know they're fairly close, but they, they've had their own share of setbacks. Um, and, and this is like, I mean, in the immediate term, if your name is like Bonald Bumpf or something, this is bad news. Yes. For everybody else who doesn't want to, like, fucking die from complications of a rushed vaccine, this is good news. Yeah. Like, yeah. really, this is. <laughs> but like, th- at this the same- is the <laughs> Like, the pharmaceutical companies are not actively trying to kill you. That, that counts as good news. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's like... Uh, it's fucking crazy. Um, but it does mean that there's not going to be some October surprise of, hey, Trump got you the vaccine. No, that's that's not how this works. Um, that's not how any of this works. Um, we will get it when it is good and ready and not a second before. Um, and there's not a lot Trump can do to really speed up the process now. 
Um, and I'd imagine, like, you know, he's not the only one who's been on the phone shouting at scientists demanding results in some kind of, like, Death of Stalin kind of farce. Yeah. And, um... Oof. Um, meanwhile, you know, across the ocean, um, infection rates are rising in Europe. Um, uh, it looks like we're getting that, they're getting that second wave. We're having another peak. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in the first wave that never stops. Yeah. And it's, I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, well, Europe, they handled it, um, you know, completely appropriately, and that's why everything is fine, and uh, they they kind of opened a little too early, if you ask me. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, you know, we sort of accepted this. You can't keep a, <laughs> you can't keep a country on lockdown forever, even if community transmission has ceased. Um, Like, this is in every model of every epidemic ever, that if you are doing things right, you will have the initial surge, Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be stopped by public health measures. I'll just, you know, leave that out there. (laughs) Um, And... uh, (laughs) And then after, you know, it tamps down and the situation starts to get back under control, people start going, well, hey, you know, nobody's getting sick. Nobody's dying. Maybe we can, you know, go back to normal. And then oops. Yeah. And, ah, yeah, it's just, it's massively, it's massively fucked. Um. And, of course, like we said, we are still in the first wave here in the States. Um, and in the UK, they've, um, they have banned sex. Um, <laughs> that, what? How? how? <laughs> I mean, they've reopened the pubs and they're banning sex. Yes. But... This does not sound like a good idea. Like, under any conditions, that is not a good idea. We're going to let you have booze, but we're going to tell you not to fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's because um, if you're in so-called tier two or tier three, um, couples can't get together if they don't live in the same place. Um, So... Yes, you have been banned from fucking. <laughs> and I'm sure that that's going to go very well. Um, because the Tories are enlightened leadership who understand everything about the world and what's going on. And they always listen to public health authorities. Before figuring out how to use those public health authorities to fuck the poor, that is. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's the... F- they're okay with that fucking. Um, <laughs> they're always down for that. Always. <sighs> and, of course, the feds are saying, uh, 
The Federal Reserve um, is saying that rising virus cases is holding back the U.S. recovery. Yes, that recovery. On like on one hand, the there's the easy dunk here, but that just that just doesn't feel fair, you know. Like, yeah, especially because. We've been saying this too. Anybody who like knows a goddamn thing about COVID has been saying this. Oh it's yeah, it's just like and, you know. I mean, it's like, <laughs> hey, it's like you know the the cri- uh, the structural crisis hasn't stopped. I mean, the economy was going to be soft for a while anyway even if there was a magical cure distributed tomorrow. But... And, like, honestly, honestly, the Fed's advice so far on how to handle this economically hasn't been bad, given, you know, the Fed's history. But, you know, all they can do is, like, shoot money into space and lower interest rates to negative numbers at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, they don't really have... They'll have a lot of control when, um, you know, nobody's talking to each other and the agencies are at cross-purposes. Like, a lot of this stuff, um, the way it's normally supposed to work assumes that the government has the best interests of the people and the economy at heart. And lol, if you believe that that's the case. <laughs> Just lol. Yeah. Like, I mean, in fairness, the there was, like, at least some kind of a, initial attempt to respond to 2008 that would lead Fed officials plausibly to draw that conclusion. That even if, like, you know, Trump is too busy, like, huffing paint to do anything useful, that maybe the Senate Republicans won't be, you know, a bunch of, like, turtle-faced mutants or something. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's basically a lot of what um, Barkin is complaining about is that, you know, the government is not working with him. Or the rest of the Fed, for that matter. And he's right to say that. Like, I kind of feel for Jerome Powell sometimes that like, he's been starting to say, yeah, um, business as usual is not going to be coming back for a while. So, you know, points to him. But all he can really do is just sort of sit in the corner and go, and right, now that I've said this, and I've, like, completely exhausted all of my options, mm-hmm. because, like, the fe- rest of the federal government proceeded to go pants on head with this. Um I'm just gonna, like, sit over here in in this, like, flaming room and console myself with how not awful things are. Mm. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, this this is what happens when, you know, we engage in discourses on Lake Travis. <laughs> yeah. And now we're at the point that, like, Jeff Stein at the Washington Post, who's been covering, like, White House economics for the Post and covering particularly the absolute fuckery around the stimulus bill, is... Like, holding back, going full black pill. Like, he kind of slipped <laughs> on one day and actually, like, liked one of our responses of, like, some sassy gif. But, um... <laughs> yeah. So, he's yeah. <laughs> poor guy's, like, at the point of saying the bleakest scenario... Like, quoting him, bleak possible scenario I hear from people... No stimulus deal by November 3rd. Biden wins and Trump just faffs around. So there's no additional stimulus until January. And a new wave of COVID cases wrecks the economy more. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it looks like that's, that's probably what we're getting at. We, we feel for you, Jeff. <sighs> we really do. Have you tried LSD? Because that heroin shit is going to put you in a bad place. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Meanwhile, the White House is formally endorsing herd immunity. Yeah. Yeah. And we even have a, like, soulless clip for that. Current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short- and long-term public health. The most compassionate approach that balances the risks and benefits of reaching herd immunity is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normal to build up immunity to the virus through natural infection, while better protecting those who are at highest risk. We call this focused protection. Jesus. Worth mentioning the lead author on that report was an economist. Once again proving you will always be able to find a sufficiently soulless right-wing economist who will find a way to justify murdering people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is homo economicus. Um, I, f I hate my profession so much. <laughs> Jesus. Why did you go into economics anyway? In, in fairness, I'm doing economic history, so that means I get to sit in the department that's next door to the economics department and repeatedly facepalm while throwing rocks out the window. Um, ah... Like, we get to be the ones that are like, but we did that and it didn't work. Here, here's like multiple studies showing when this exact thing was done, it did bad things. Oh, uh, right then. Oh, I'm sorry. We offended the market god. Well, fuck you too. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> you won't hear a business school teacher say finance is all a shell game, but you will find economic historians who will. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... 
And it's like, they're like, you know, we got 9,000 signatures on this declaration. And it's like, this declaration's been floating around for a while. Um, it's just that Trump's endorsed it, finally. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> back when it had like 5,000 signatures, people realized that you could just, you know, make up bullshit and put your name on it. <laughs> and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't really count that as like expert support when it's so easily gained. Um, because it, they'll check. They'll fucking check. And it's like, it's like those, um, those fucking petitions they used to, um, those fucking declarations they used to do, um, way back when creationism was still, you know, like, debated. They'd find, like, you know, a hundred science- Back in the good old days. <laughs> yeah, they'd find, like, a hundred academics who disagreed, and it would usually be people like mechanical engineers and such. Um, it, nobody with, like, an actual biology background. Um, or, or they, like, find a geologist that went to, like, Bob Jones University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An economist who went to Bryan College. Um, things like that. Um, I mean, it's... It, these things mean nothing, but it flatters Trump's preconceptions, so... He has made this official policy. Um, Which, practically speaking, I don't think that means very much. I mean, they've been kind of already doing a herd immunity thing, but stupidly and not with, like, you know, the active malice of forethought that we saw with the Tories or arguably the Social Democrats in Sweden. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You know, we're well past the point of where, like, malice is distinguishable from stupidity. (laughs) Uh, fuck. (laughs) Like, we have reached the singularity. Yes. Yes. Uh. And it's a drooling asshole. Uh, on to less light news, um, the Red Horse. Oh, yeah. So, this first one is one that actually kind of surprised me, because this happened, like... A stone's throw away from San Francisco over in Walnut Creek, which is like, you know, technically suburban Bay Area, but is, you know, we're talking like bedroom community for the people who were in at the ground floor on Twitter, who then decided they didn't want to have to deal with parking in San Francisco kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Like, we're not talking like absolute chuds like orange county yeah um yeah this is so y'all had a planned parenthood protest 
Which, it's been a minute since that's happened. At, like this. In the Bay Area. Yeah. I mean, shit like this. Like, you know, there is, like, we get the yearly, um, except maybe not this year, March for Life thing, where, like, busloads of, like, fundangelicals from all points west of the Mississippi River, like, converge in their buses to, like, march down the streets of Sodom, like, denouncing the fact that we exist. Um, but this was, like, a bit different, because in this, the uh, uh, anti-choicers showed up with their own armed security guards. <sighs> yeah, and... <laughs> And they they pepper sprayed people. Um, it was as you do. Yes, it was pretty fucking wild. And uh, somehow I suspect that if this ever happens again, it will be met a little more forcefully. Um, because it's like you know these. These kinds of things happen, but normally it's just like a couple of losers with a van. And they usually never show up with, like, weapons. And there was even, like, one guard that was reaching to pull his gun. So this is, like... This, it usually doesn't get this bad in this part of the country. Like, I'm actually kind of having a hard time thinking of any, like anti-choice let's fuck with Planned Parenthood thing where the fundies did bring bully armed bully boys actually you're right I I mean I'm reasonably familiar with them um I mean a little bit about my own history here um like my mom was in um, Operation Rescue before they went, you know, full legalist. Um, you know, it was the best idea she ever had um, because everything went pear shaped. But like, I, even back then, I can't think of any time when things got this ridiculous. And, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a very passionate topic, and obviously, um, you know, the, the clinic defenders exist for a reason, but at the same time, like, this is, this is pretty shocking. I mean, normally they, they do their, Normally, when they do their violence, they do it themselves. They don't farm it out. So, I guess... It also tends to be more, I don't know, like, pipe bombish. Yes. Um, hence why I talked about Operation Rescue. Those fuckers... Um, 
those fuckers were legalists, and they sure as shit did not show up to the protests after a certain point. Um, no, they they just you know used the pipe bombs. So like this level of escalation, yeah, this is new. This is new, and. It's honestly more than a little concerning. Um, I won't be so foolish as to tell you, although we need to lower the national temperature and stuff, because you, you've heard that before, um, and I'm not sure that that's ever going to happen at this point. But, Jesus, Fuck. Well, like, it's kind of hard to unilaterally lower the national temperature when one side is, like, plotting to kidnap a governor or, like, about to shoot people in a pro-life demonstration. Um, yes, yes. You know, like, when you turn the other cheek in the face of somebody who's coming at you with a baseball bat, the only thing that happens is you get your head caved in. Yes. That's pretty much it. Like, the sweet the sweet baby Jesus will love you for it, but you'll still be, you know... You'll still be brain. Bleeding on the sidewalk. <laughs> yep. Um, meanwhile, um... Across the continent, um, the Canadian military um, has decided that they're. Um, <laughs> they've decided it's, you know, um, a really good use of their time to bully their fellow Nova Scotians. This is some, like, to preface this, like. This is just some of the wildest shit we've ever seen from anywhere since this podcast has started. And the fact that this is coming from, like, the North American Anglo country that makes a big deal about not being the crazy meth lab next door. Yes. <laughs> just, ah. Oh. Because <laughs> this is some, like, CIA in the 60s shit. Yeah, they were like, we're going to reintroduce gray wolves. Um, we're going to also play recordings of gray wolves barking at all hours so that you get used to having them. And when people went, what the fuck, they were like, mission accomplished. And what's even better is they sent out notice that this would be happening on letterhead for the wildlife division of the Department of Lands and Forestry. So it wasn't even like the local like Halifax rifles were like, hey, Nova Scotians, we decided to be fun to let some wolves loose. They decided to like, go the extra mile and pretend to be conservationists with the government and lie to the community. And... I mean, it's like... And the Department of Lands and Forestry had to release a statement saying this is fucking fake. Yes. Yes. And they're like, no, we're not planning on releasing gray wolves. What the fuck are you talking about? 
Um, <laughs> and it's like, you know, obviously that would piss off people because, you know, uh, the Canadian government does not have a good track record of being forthright with their subjects in practice. And what, what makes this even better is a spokesman for the Canadian Department of National Defense when asked about this was like, no, of course we didn't approve this bullfuckery. <laughs> Who the hell do you think we are? The United States? <laughs> Paraphrasing. Yeah. I mean, it's like... You know, now, like, you know, the unit was like, well, we were just doing it because... Um, we had to have, like, training materials and such like. Uh, we didn't actually mean to test it. And, you know, a bunch of, like, weird equivocational bullshit. But, yeah, congratulations. C- clearly delivered with the same tone of voice as a five-year-old being admonished for shoving firecrackers in frogs. Yes. Yes. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> and to round it out, Trump pretty to- much admitted that, yeah, um, he sent his boy boys specifically to kill um, friend of the show, Michael Reinhold. And, you know, this isn't the first time he's not even really implied it, but kind of said it. Yes. But now he's just openly saying, oh, yeah, they, like, they didn't want to arrest, like, well, just, here's the fucking clip. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we sent in the U.S. Marshals, took 15 minutes, it was over. 15 minutes it was over. We got him. They knew who he was. They didn't want to arrest him. And 15 minutes that ended. Anyway, but and they called themselves peaceful. I, I will say it is worth pointing out that he is blaming this on the marshals. Kind of. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's like... That whole... He wants the credit if they do something awesome, but he'll hang them out to dry as soon as it's politically inconvenient. Like, I'm not even sure this is a politically inconvenient thing on his part. Like, I think somewhere in his, like, soon-to-be-crashing-off-of-those-amazing-drugs skull of his Mm -hmm. that he thinks that it's an effective way to intimidate people to go, hey, I, I can't answer for what federal marshals might do to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is kind of a, it'd be a shame if something happened sort of statement, really. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I mean, we know he's a bad actor. Um, in the, you know... <laughs> I should rephrase that. Like, he's not the... He's not gonna, you know... 
He doesn't take, you know, all that liberal claptrap about rule of law very seriously. Like, you know, the, the feds exist to do his bidding, basically. For as long as he's in power. Um, and it's like, you know, that's... Technically, that's how things normally work. It's just, you know, nobody ever states it that baldly. Um, or they, like, do the kind of shit, like, let J. Edgar Hoover run the FBI until the day he dies and not ask any questions about what the hell the FBI is actually doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, the whole, uh, like, you know, the whole Iran-Contra thing. Like, did Reagan know what he was signing up for? Huh, maybe. I don't know. Like, I think he knew that he was signing up for doing an end run around Congress to get weapons to a bunch of righteous anti-communist uh, guerrillas, um, which, you know, everybody else referred to as, like, nun and baby-killing death squads. You know, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, <laughs> ketchup, catsup. Yeah. I... Which Reagan thought was a vegetable. I mean, it's like, my uh, my thing with that is that, you know, Reagan, he didn't ask questions about how the sausage was made. He just got the fucking sausage. Like, I don't think there was any point where Reagan was sitting down in a room with these absolute monsters at the CIA going, yes, I totally want you to push crack in these economically wiped out um, urban districts across the United States to pay for the nun and baby killing in Central America. Like, I don't think it was ever that direct. Yeah. I mean, it's like... But, you know... I mean, most presidents usually have the sense to not know too much about what the deep state is doing in their name. Um, they just sign whatever is put in front of them and, you know, don't ask questions. It's better for you not to know. Um, if you can deny it, that's, that's a good thing. And Trump doesn't, <laughs> Trump doesn't care about any of that. He's just like, yeah, they're totally my boy squad. It's awesome. <laughs> He's been hanging around, like, laundering money for mobsters too mm -hmm. long, and seems to not understand that even, like, fucking medieval kings understood that there's a reason why you say things like, well, no one rid me of this meddlesome priest, and not, hey, you two in the back, go whack the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Like, you do not... You don't spell it out for the pearls. You're not supposed to. It's a, it's bad for business. And it also looks bad in front of the rest of the gentry and the aristocracy to be that gauche yes. about these things. Like, they'd rather not hear the machinery of empire. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like... On the one hand, did you really expect anything else from Trump? I mean, he doesn't... 
He doesn't care about any of the niceties, even the ones that, you know, protect his position. Um, that protect the imperial executive that he gets off on so much. But on the other hand, it's just, ugh, this is so disgusting. It's, it, yeah, it, at least it confirms that he's not a smart tyrant, as if we needed any more for yeah. that. Yeah, look at the past four or five years. This... <sighs> I mean, it, if this motherfucker was, you know, even on, like, say, Hitler levels of competence, like, you know, Hitler pre-drugs, mm-hmm. um, then he would have, like, seized on COVID to do something awful, like, I don't know, get the briefing from the CDC, this is going to become a pandemic, wait, like, two weeks for it to actually become a pandemic, then blame the Chinese government for not taking it under control, order a nationwide lockdown, quadruple the CDC's funding and empower the FBI to go after anyone suspected of violating quarantine while using that as a cover to round people up or something equally, like, maliciously awful. While then, like, splintering his political opposition by doing something like forgiving student debt and one-upping the House Democrats on stimulus funding. You know. The shit smart authoritarians would have already done. And, like, you know, Orban did do quite a bit of this. Um, The Tories basically did this in their election campaign. They grabbed the bits and pieces of the labor platform that looked good and then had their useful idiots in the press do the rest. Mm -hmm. I mean, it certainly didn't hurt that, you know, they had... They had their own useful idiots in the Labour Party, the Blairites and such, but, you know, we don't need to relitigate that. (laughs) Holy shit. Not really. Um, You know, instead, he went full denial. mm -hmm. (sighs) If fascism does not take root in America, it will be entirely because the fascists were goddamn stupid. Yes. Good God. Uh, with a side order of that anti-fascists have spent well over the past decade raining hell on any potential street formations that might have existed for a fascist takeover. Yeah. Like, they they showed, uh, they really showed their hand too early with um, Unite the Right and, you know, clusterfucks like that. And <laughs> if this is the rule that brought you here, what use was the rule? Yeah, like, when they start trying to spin how the fuck all this shit happened, do not believe the Aaron Sorkin West Wing overdose bullshit that will come from the shit libs. Do not. Because this is partly their fault. Let's not forget this. Yes. They were more than ready to play nice when Trump got in power, and Pelosi was openly denouncing anti-fascists right up until the Unite the Right. Yes. <sighs> so, on the horizon, the Black Horse. 
So remember that eviction crisis? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Massachusetts has tumbled into the abyss. Um, Officially, as of October 18th, 2020, mark that date, the governor's order, like, suspending evictions and foreclosures has elapsed, and the court filings have begun. Yeah. I mean, it's Sunday, not that it fucking stopped. Um, it's very... Ugh. Um, the state attorney general, for what little that's worth, they demanded uh, that the moratorium be reinstated, but... Good God. Um, it is worth pointing out at this point, if you live in Massachusetts, in any county in California where the statewide moratorium has uh, slipped and expired, or, you know, anywhere else in the United States, really, where that's the case. In most of the U.S., the Sheriff's Department is the one who handles evictions and foreclosures, and the Sheriff is also an elected official, so... You know, that might be some electoralism worth looking at. Yeah. It was... Maybe. Ah, fuck. I mean, it's just... This is very... It's so needlessly evil and stupid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just everything. All of this stuff is just, you know, slowly sliding into the abyss. And, I mean, the only reason, you know, we haven't seen, like, you know, the total doomsday mass eviction scenarios is because of this this patchwork of uh, of eviction moratoriums and such that are keeping the, you know, machinery of capitalism from, you know, completely destroying what little's left of the social fabric. But this, by the way, is your regular reminder that one of the many reasons why capitalism is just a fundamentally fucked economic system is because it actively encourages actions like evicting people in the middle of the worst economic crisis in American history when fuck all people can rent anything new right now. And which makes sense in the micro scale of, oh shit, I need to get something in there so I can pay for that mortgage that isn't going away. But on the macro scale is called, congratulations, there's going to be potentially millions homeless just in time for winter. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, like, you know, Massachusetts has given up for the moment. I don't know if the governor is going to panic and uh, reinstate it, but if he doesn't want this thing to spiral out of control soon, he better do it. He better do it now. Um, Because 
everything is just hanging on by a thread at this point. Like, in fairness, there are some examples of banks and property owners who are not completely fucking stupid. Yes. Who are still, like, avoiding evictions as much as possible because they do understand this concept called looking beyond this fiscal quarter. Yes. But, like, the possibility that you might get someone who's charitable and willing to renegotiate is not gonna stop this at all. Yeah. Especially when, in most other cases, there is some compelling economic reason or another that's standing over the various property owners going, you'd better fucking do this. Yeah. Like, a lot of landlords do not hold their properties outright. Remember the remember the whole thing when, you know, all those Airbnb large holders, like, you know, completely ate fucking shit? Yeah. I mean, it's like, when you're... <laughs> When you make just enough to service your debts, like, of course you're gonna want to evict. Like, that's that's kind of just the the amoral logic of it. Um, like, th- this is why most of the European Union enacted eviction, mortgage, rent, and foreclosure holidays for the duration of the crisis. Yes. Because you can either let this shit spiral and create a fucking disaster in the middle of a plague. Or you can say, you know what? Capitalism, just like, go sit the fuck down for a minute. We'll get to you when the world isn't about to die because of something dumb that you did. Again. Yes. (sighs) Should we move on? Yeah, just, you know, remember... We've said it before, we're probably going to be saying this for a while. This crisis was avoidable. There were other options. Yeah. Yeah. So. The final horse. Yeah, that, that gets us to that. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um... United Airlines um, posted a $1.8 billion loss, um, and they've been reporting cutbacks. <sighs> As to be expected, really. Like, we've been seeing this trickling out of the airline industry for a while, as well as related hospitality you know, like operators, this is to be expected and what happens when you don't say, you know what, we're gonna like put a pause on this social construct called the market for a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, they... <laughs> Granted, these fuckers have also done stupid shit and over-leveraged their assets and assumed that they would be moving at full capacity until, like, forever and padded out their 
you know, executive bonuses and dividends. So it's not like, you know, this is poor American airline, like poor United. Oh, they, they're suffering from COVID. Like this is, there's, there is an element of the usual, like masters of breaking anything stupidity at work here. Yeah. I mean, it's like, to be fair, they did take like, you know, a 78% hit in their, um, in their revenue. And even their cargo business didn't fully make that up. I mean, how could it? Um, and of course, because, you know, they didn't pass the fucking stimulus bill, um, the, uh, United ended up having to like furlough 13,000 employees. Like, that's, no matter how you slice it, like, they're in trouble. Um, they managed to kind of stop the bleeding for now. Um, their burn rate is okay-ish, but Jesus fuck, it's a bloodbath out there. But all of that pale, <laughs> all of that fucking pales to, uh, in comparison to ho- the whole fucking Brexit mess. Good god. Mm. It's the fucking thing that refuses to die. <laughs> We've been talking about this for like months, and now, now even the Tories have realized that they've kind of fucked up. <laughs> so, what the fuck happened? Well, the short version is the Tories, after agreeing to a Brexit withdrawal bill that would make the EU happy and not, like, flagrantly wipe their ass with international law while lighting Ireland on fire for shits and giggles. Um, they, like, this was the thing, that was the price of getting the EU to say, fine, we're gonna let you just do the stupid thing and jump off a cliff, but we at least want to make sure you're not gonna drag us down with you. Um... They then decided to turn around and pass a new bill called the Internal Markets Act, which basically walked all that back and went, yeah, about that whole obeying international law thing. Yeah, that was a joke. Like, (laughs) perfidious Albion, motherfucker. I mean, to be fair, did you ever expect the British Tories to hold to their side of a bargain. Of course not. <laughs> they really don't give a fuck, and they think they're the smartest people in the room, so of course they think they can get away with this like everybody's still playing Rule Britannia. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the 50s never happened. The British Empire stands strong and can totally bully the EU. As you do. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the UK has always had a great track record in picking a fight with a unified European continent. That's never gone badly. <laughs> so, yeah, now... There are high-ranking officials, mostly from the House of Lords, um, but also 
from, uh, you know, other elements of government who are saying, oh, wait, we actually are open to reconsidering our earlier fuckery because it looks like the cornerstone of Boris Johnson's entire strategy called Donald Trump staying in the White House is unlikely to happen in the way we need it to, which scuttles any hope of the U.S. somehow bailing out Britannia. Yeah. I mean, are you really going to count on Joe fucking Biden um, giving them a sweetheart deal? Like, if you're the Tories... Do you really want to count on that? I mean, I Especially when I'm, I'm 100% certain that when uh, Joe Biden winning came up in a cabinet meeting, Jacob Rees-Mogg's like, monocle popped out as he muttered something about treacherous Fenians. Um, yes! <laughs> like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. told them uh, no, you're you're gonna eat shit. We're gonna bend you over. Um, I mean, we could have done that before, um, but you <laughs> you fucked this up. This is this is what you get. <laughs> uh, like in fairness, any American president in this position would have absolutely been lining up to, like, take the United Kingdom out back for a ride. Like, no questions asked. If Hillary Clinton was in the White House right now, she probably wouldn't be, be, like, be being loud about it. But, yes, the Clinton administration would have absolutely been sharpening the knives. Yeah. Uh, Like, a third-term Obama would have been very regretful that Brexit's happening while, like, telling U.S. trade negotiators to take them for everything you can. Yeah. Like, like even Trump, for once, is being smart enough not to, like, openly crow about how badly this is going to hurt the British at, like, in favor of, like, you know, American corporations. Yeah. Like, he he wants to do a deal, but the deal is only going to benefit his friends. There, <laughs> and, you know, un- unlike, either- you know, Donald Trump, <laughs> Joe Biden and the Democrats seem to actually give a shit about Ireland not catching fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... We're at the point now where there's talk in Ireland of a new unification referendum. Which is, I never thought I'd say those words. I never thought there would be, like, any opportunity for that kind of peaceful transfer of power. Um, Somewhere... (laughs) Ian Paisley's corpse is weeping that his own party facilitated this. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, and, you know, I, I feel a little for the unionists. It's like, you know, they they didn't abandon uh, the UK. The UK abandoned them. <laughs> so, like, what are you going to do? Which is even... 
Well, which gets even better because it's their fucking fault that it got to this point with Boris because the DUP Unionist Party were the ones who held together Theresa May's minority government long enough for Boris Johnson to like pull off the snow job of all snow jobs. Yes. I mean, you know, a little bit of pity, but not really. <laughs> I mean, seriously, fuck those guys. <laughs> They're like the only major political party outside of, you know, the Republicans who seriously argues for creationism in schools and denies climate change. So, you know, yeah. fuck them. Like, this is, this is what y'all wanted, apparently. <laughs> this is what you asked. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you fucked around. Yeah. Don't make, uh, like, do not make deals with dragons or the Tories. (laughs) Especially if you're Irish. (laughs) You would think a brief perusal of British history would be enough to, like, you know, reinforce that point. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god. This, yeah, and if, so just to, like, entertain some fun doomsday shit for a minute, because COVID spiking in Europe means Europe's going to be going towards a lockdown again. Like, they're not going to faff around with this, I think, even though they screwed around on opening a little too quick. Um, Yeah. That's going to be bad for, like, global economic activity. Um, The U.S. most likely leaping off a cliff care of Mitch McConnell being an asshole um, who may or may not be jumping ship on Trump by instead focusing on fucking with Joe Biden before he gets into office um, is gonna really do a number on global economic activity. So in the middle of this all, you got the Tories going fucking Leroy Jenkins with a crash out Brexit. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> on January 1st. <laughs> Y'all are so fucked. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, this is just... The, the brakes are have, like, been removed from this train by now. Sorry. There's, like, barring some... A series of highly unlikely events that will probably involve, like, three ghosts visiting certain heads of state in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, this ride's only going one way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man. Like, you know, we're just gonna watch the city of London, like, die horribly as the British economy bursts into flames. Like, there's no way that's going to reverberate through an already, like, horrifically mauled economic system. Yeah. I, uh, I follow Charlie Strauss on Twitter, um, and he brought up, uh, recently that how to put this? Because of the way things have gone, you know, they're cutting the dole. Um, 
this whole university thing is not working out. Um, you know, the job market has collapsed. Um, they're about to crash out without a deal in six weeks. So you've got people, you've got a bunch of young people with, you know, no hope, no prospects of anything getting better, and nothing to lose. And he said there's a term for that. It's called a pre-revolutionary situation. Yeah. Like, when your only viable economic act in the British Isles is investing in Irish fertilizer futures, you know guillotines are going to be in the streets. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So they kind of fucked themselves. And but this is also going to fuck everyone else because watching the British economy jump off a cliff is going to like, even though the EU has been taking steps to cushion the blow, they really don't need this right now. Yeah, like nobody needs like one of the top ten economies on the planet, like ramming itself face first into a brick wall. No one needs that. Yeah. I mean, in the worst case, they do not need an active insurgency only 30 miles away from their nearest land border. It's, yeah, they're, they're kind of fucked right now. Um, sorry to the British comrades. Um, stay safe out there. And, and yeah, this will absolutely guarantee that the global economic crisis will just get worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we don't we don't need this right now. <laughs> uh, this is just, you know, the ticking time bomb the Tories have left for us because, you know, they're ungrateful shits who, um, don't understand that we're the only thing that guarantees what little was left to their empire. Exactly. Like, this is, <laughs> like, in fairness, this is going to hurt, in order, Britain, Ireland, and the EU the most. Like, it's not like British trade is going to, like, you know, destroy the Canadian or American economies. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, one more thing that's a fairly big thing that when we don't need one more thing. If you're looking at this from a let's not, like, light the world on fire perspective. Yeah, this is this is the part of your TNL game where you reach DEFCON 1. Um, and all of the wars start. The British anarchy is about to start. <laughs> well, I think we know what the new national anthem will be. Mm-hmm. At least it's already written. Mm-hmm. Got it handed it to the Clash. Um, <laughs> 
And on that note, hell follows. <laughs> yeah it does and we're gonna start with a really fun one that is actually a bit of an update to our doomsday scenarios um so for those who have heard them before one of our more fun scenarios which is like one of the ones that's less likely to escalate into a shooting war is one where joe biden's like, incoming transition team makes a quiet offer for Trump to, like, jump on a plane and fuck off. Well, it it looks like, care of Business Insider and a number of other sources, Trump has been openly speculating about doing that without any hint of a quiet understanding from the Biden administration to be. Yeah. It's, It's amazing, folks. We love it. Um... Like he's he's really feeling the pressure. I don't I don't think that you know this is it, it ain't over till it's over. Um, like obviously we were all burned by the whole Clinton loss thing, even though you know there were signs. There were signs. Um, Biden's got a better chance, but he's. Uh, I mean, honestly, if we're going to assume this election goes even vaguely in a, like, semi-legal fashion, the Republicans are in for their worst defeat since at least Watergate, probably even since the Great Depression. Like, by the numbers, they're going to get pasted. They are, like, massively down in districts that strongly went for Trump. Um, they're, like, Texas is actually competitive. Um, so this is a situation where, like, if things go in a vaguely legal fashion, the GOP is going to get fucking wiped out. Yeah. I mean, they'll still... (laughs) The only way Biden could blow it, like, honestly, I think the only way Biden could blow it at this point is if he gets caught with, like, you know, 20 terabytes of incredibly horrible footage from Pedophile Island with him as in a starring role. Like, and that would probably just make things close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially since, you know, there is a very simple remedy for the Democratic Party. They can, after he takes office, he can resign. And then Kotmala is in, and God help us all. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this could be, this could actually be kind of fun if he just looks at the initial returns on November 3rd and says, fuck it, fire up the jet. Um, yeah. Because, you know, like, we had to actually look this one up, but there has never been a former president of the United States who has ever fled the country for any reason. Like, Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederate States of America, tried, got caught, and ultimately, like, died in obscurity in Mississippi after getting some, like, really stupid-ass pardon for doing a treason. Um, (laughs) As you do. But that's never, ever 
happened in American history. Like, I'm kind of even struggling to think of any, like, prominent elected officials at the federal level who have ever done something like that. And I'm coming up blank. Same. I mean... It's probably, you know, some senator who fucked off, like, way back in the mid-late 1800s or something. Or maybe some obscure corner case in the late 1700s. Um, I mean, I got nothing. That's... wow. And, you know, this would... Because this would just be such an unprecedented act of cowardice. That would also be perfectly in line with how Donald Trump has handled every single one of his failed business ventures. <laughs> oh, wow. It, like, I'm like 99% sure the party grandees would wash their hands of him um, and his base would be split right down the middle. Yep. Like, now the Q people, obviously, I think they'd still hold a torch for him. They'd be like, he, he had to flee. The deep state went after him. Um, we, we fucked up. Um, and that's why you need to arise and, you know, uh, do it for us because we weren't able to do it or, you know, some other equally harebrained thing. Like, I don't know what, what the current Q is thinking, but it's probably something along that line. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they blame the Republican Party officials who walk away from Trump. Oh, yes. That would be so easy to do. It's like, especially because there are like John Cornyn of Texas and Ben Sass of Nebraska who are now openly going, maybe we should ditch this Trump tire fire and save ourselves. And Rupert fucking Murdoch, of all people, who sided with Trump in 2016, now saying it's going to be a Biden landslide and I am disgusted with how Trump handled COVID. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I mean, at this I'm, point, I don't... I'm not going to say, you know, Biden has it in the bag, but, you know, pretty good shot. Um, and let's not assume that this will happen, because, you know, Trump runs his mouth all the fucking time. For all we know... Um, Stephen Miller might get him a fucking kilo of Colombian snow on election day, and instead of running for the hills, he's like, no, fuck it, we're fighting it out from the bunker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, that's, that's always a possibility. Um, I mean... And I think a lot of it is, you know, he doesn't he doesn't like to admit that he's ever weak. Uh, he's got, you know, some weird complex about his um, about fucking illness, um, and so because of that, it's like it's not 
it's not that out of line for him to be like, things are going wrong for me, because they kind of are. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if, if he's got a shot, he's probably going to take it. Um, like, it's just, I don't know, the window seems to be closing for a lot of the interventions that he could have made. Um, and the fact that we've got these prominent party grandees jumping ship is going to have, like, a geometrically negative effect on his ability to do those things. Yeah. I mean, it's... I could see... Um, like, don't get me wrong, there are absolutely ways this can all go horribly wrong. Um, and if we do a final doomsday special um we will talk about it but yeah it's (laughs) and even happier news we got some direct action starting to get the goods oh yeah so (laughs) in kansas city uh and a group of people involved with an organization called Kansas City Tenants on October 15th blockaded the eviction court entrance and refused to allow court proceedings to continue, complete with like locking themselves to the doors. And in Brooklyn, the housing court was bike locked and spray foam shots. <laughs> Y'all are fucking based. That was that was fucking awesome. Keep it up. Keep that shit rolling. And meanwhile, the Rochester, New York AFL CIO local council has passed a resolution calling for an immediate general strike if Trump tries to steal the election. Now, like, granted, Rochester is not like a bustling hub of industry or something, but yeah, we've never seen an AFL-CIO local council do something like this, and it might filter up through the rest of the Union Federation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, take them where you can get them, you know? So, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Yep. Right. Oh. From all of us at Chop Shop... Good luck out there. Bye, everyone.